0: You hope, you were made to hope, and in the midst of a broken world, you look for it in so many places. You look to the stars, to your technology, to movements and leaders, and you are even told you are the hope for the future. Yet you live in an age of communication where you've never been more alone. You've looked to the stars and found emptiness. Technology advances itself and you are left with the same problems. Your movements and leaders rise and fall and the world is still broken. You try to improve yourself, but you still fail. You still sin, you still die. This is not hope, I am hope. I made you, loved you, but you strayed, became lost in sin, doomed to be separated forever, doomed to die. So I came to save you, to give you hope. I became one of you and lived a perfect life to save you from your punishment by taking it on myself. I bore your punishment, your very sins, and died. But that was not the end. Hope was not yet yours. I rose from the dead to give you a hope beyond this world, beyond death. I give you eternal life, eternal hope. I give you myself, Jesus Christ to receive this gift. Simply put your trust in me. Believe that I died for your sins and rose again so you could be with me. This is what you were made for. This is hope.
1: One day I came home from work and found my wife had packed up hope. At that time in our life, uh, we were married a couple years, wanting to become parents, but we're going through a season of infertility, and we just it wasn't happening. And we had a nursery upstairs, and we had decorated it, and on one of the dressers were these four letters, H-O-P-E, hope. And we'd go in there, and, and we would hope that someday we could have a baby, someday we could become parents. And I don't know if you've been in a season like this, but Eventually you get tired of hoping, you get tired of waiting. And one day Kristen walked in there and she packed up hope, she packed up those letters. She was tired of hoping, she was tired of waiting. Have you been in a season like that? Where you're hoping for something, you're waiting for something and you pack up hope? Here's what I know, is that where there is hope, people thrive. Where there is hope, people thrive. And where there's no hope, people die. Where there's no hope, people die. Sometimes it's a slow death, sometimes it's an internal death, but people die without hope. We're in the middle of this series, faith, hope, and love. Last week we talked about faith in Jesus and and, and what that means, and this week we're looking at the word hope. Hope is powerful. And uh, if you want to follow along, uh, you can fill in some blanks on your note sheet if you want. And the first thing we see is that where there is hope, people thrive. Where there's no hope, people die. They give up. They pack it in. I wonder how many of you have given up on something in your life because you believe there's no hope. Well, I, I believe that one of the main things that crush hope is discouragement. See, discouragement weighs us down. Hope lifts us up. Discouragement precedes destruction hope is what gives us courage see I found that it's it's when we're discouraged that's when we make poor choices no one drops out of school because they've gotten so much affirmation and encouragement no one gives up on their marriage because it's just filled with bliss and lots of encouragement and hope and discouragement I think a lot of times comes from feeling powerless Trust me, I've been there. I've felt powerless. And a lot of us, to some degree, I think, have experienced this feeling of where things are just out of our hands. We go to the doctor for a normal checkup, and it reveals something abnormal. And now there's going to be more tests to be had. You know, a private conversation with someone goes public, causing just a huge mess. A relationship is broken because of your actions. We feel powerless when someone betrays us. We feel powerless when our kids make choices that we can't control. We feel powerless when we're sick and we just can't get healthy. We feel powerless when the bills add up and there's more that we owe than what we have in our bank accounts. Hope fades, discouragement sets in, and this feeling of powerlessness happens. See, the question for you and the question for me is how do we maintain hope when we're feeling discouraged, how do we maintain hope when it feels like the world is uncertain and out of our hands? How do we maintain hope? I think now more than ever, as our faith begins to stutter and it feels like hope is far away, this is where we go. We turn to God's word. Because the stories in this Bible were born out of a time of incredible uncertainty. See, we read the Bible and it's easy to think, oh, the people in there, they knew how things were going to end, but they didn't. They lived in times of darkness and uncertainty and hopelessness. And in spite of all of those times of darkness and in spite of uncertainty, God's word contains hope. Hope. This book is filled with stories of people who faced uncertainty, but realize that not only is God not absent, not only is God not far away, but he's actively working in our situations and in our lives. Well, this morning you might be like, okay, Eric, that, that's great. That, that helps me to know that the people in there realize that God wasn't absent, but that doesn't change the fact that my bank account is empty. That doesn't change the fact that I'm sick. That doesn't change the fact that I am out of hope, well, although, man oh man, this is all good, nope, although it doesn't change our circumstances, uh, what we see is that although life may be uncertain, God is not uncertain and he still has the whole world in his hands, amen, amen. although life is uncertain and God is not uncertain and he still has the whole world in his hands. We can put our hope and trust in him. Well, we are diving into Luke 7 today, and uh, here at Mosaic, we like to go through books of the Bible. And uh, last year, we went through the book of Genesis, and this year, we're going through the book of Luke, and we find ourselves now in chapter 7. And we're going to dive into this story, and I love this story. Uh, If you're taking notes, you can write down a couple observations, things that we're going to see as we look at this story. The first one is we're going to see two crowds are going to meet. Two crowds are going to meet, a crowd-filled with with those uh, who are mourning and part of a funeral procession. And then a crowd following Jesus, filled with hope and expectation of what he's gonna do. And these two crowds come face to face. We're also gonna see two one and only sons are gonna meet. And then two mortal enemies are gonna go head to head. Death and Jesus, who is life and resurrection. We're gonna see who wins. And as we get into the story, you're going to meet this woman who's at a funeral. I want you to emotionally connect with this woman who's burying her only son. It's a horrible, horrible day. She's been knocked down. Her whole world has been shattered. And one thing I know is that you and I are going to have days like this where uncertainty hits us, we're knocked down, our whole world is wrecked at some point in your life, your life is going to get wrecked. Maybe that's going on right now. Maybe there's something going on that you're just unexpected. Something's going to happen. And the more people you love, the more opportunities you have for your life to get rocked. And as we dive into Luke 7, I want you to appreciate this amazing, strong woman that we're going to read about. And this morning, we're going to learn that Jesus Reaches. You can write that down, that Jesus reaches. Jesus reaches into our pain, into our confusion, into our grief. Jesus reaches us wherever we are. That's what he does. Let's read Luke 7, verse 11. Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. And he drew near to the gate of the town. Behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, And she was a widow. And a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, Do not weep. I want you to put yourself in this situation. Read those lines again. The only son of his mother. The only son of his mother. This is a devastating day. This is a woman whose whole world is crumbling around her. She's living in this town called Nain. Just so you know, this is the only time in the Bible this town is found. Uh, It's a very unimportant place. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's about 20 miles away from Capernaum. Uh, Last week we learned, that's where Jesus moved his kind of base of ministry to Capernaum, about six miles away from Nazareth, Jesus' hometown. You know, Capernaum is the middle of nowhere. Nazareth, middle of nowhere. Town of Nain, really the middle of nowhere. Small little village, which meant that most likely uh, everyone in that village were poor. Very, very poor. Uh, and this one most likely was illiterate, as most women in that day were not educated, that means she couldn't read God's word for herself. Here's a poor, illiterate woman in a small town. And here's what we know about her. She's already been to one funeral. Whose funeral has she been to? Her husband's. She's buried her husband, and now she's burying her one and only son. Not only is this emotionally devastating for her to lose her one and only son, it's actually devastating to her financial future. See, in this day, there was no social security, no retirement, no government that would take care of her. What would happen is as you got older, your kids would take care of you. The son would grow up and take care of his mom. When she got sick, he'd look out after her. He'd make sure that she had food to eat. He would take care of her. And now, Her hope is gone. Her son is gone. She doesn't know what future she faces. It's her whole future is uncertain. You know, at some point, I I think of this woman, at some point she had an awesome life. She had a wonderful life. Living in a small town with her husband and together they welcomed their only child and they loved that baby. We have a lot of families here who have uh, one child and they're celebrating that, that one baby. And then at some point, we don't know when, we don't know how, we don't know why, the husband dies. And this woman is left alone with her child. And it's devastating. And I'm sure she thinks, man, it can't possibly get any worse than this. And then, then her one and only son dies and she has to bury him. First she buried her husband and now she's burying her son. I don't know if there's anything more devastating than a parent having to bury a child. I haven't had to do that. Kristen and I have had four miscarriages, and that was devastating enough. I can't imagine the pain of burying a child. Maybe there's some of you today who've had to do that. This woman's world has been completely turned upside down. She is devastated. What we see is that into that devastation, Jesus reaches out to her. I love that. Jesus comes and meets this woman where she is. We don't see this woman asking for Jesus. We don't see this woman going to find Jesus. Jesus comes to her. Jesus goes out of his way to meet this woman, to get to her. Jesus walks for 20 miles over rocky terrain, over hills to get to this woman. Because he knows he has an appointment with this widow. And it's like a whole crowd following him, and they're asking for things from him, and they want different things from Jesus. But I just picture Jesus like, not now. I got to get to this woman. I have an appointment. I have to go to a funeral. And so there's this huge crowd following Jesus. And this big crowd of people excited, wondering what Jesus Jesus is going to do, they come smack dab into this other crowd that is coming out of the city. But this crowd is filled with mourners, and professional whalers. And the whole town is out, and they're surrounding this woman. And the young man who has died, his friends are emotionally devastated because their friend is dead. And this woman's friends are coming around her and trying to give her some kind of support. They've already gone to one funeral with her, and now they have to go to another funeral with her. Everyone is weeping and bawling. She's devastated. And then, then Jesus shows up. This is how Jesus works. Jesus reaches out and he finds people who don't even ask for him. Jesus comforts people who don't seek him. He goes out of his way to pursue people who aren't even aware of him. That's our Jesus. And Jesus chooses to go find her. He chooses to love her. He chooses to pursue her. He chooses to serve her. That's what Jesus does. He reaches out to her. And wherever you are today, whatever it is you're going through, Jesus can reach out to you, whatever pain, whatever situation you are in. And then we see Jesus does something absolutely amazing. He resurrects. Verse 14 then he came up and touched the bier, and the bearer stood still, and he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. The man who was dead is now alive. This is amazing, but can you picture it? Jesus reaches into the casket, and now, I don't know if you know this, you're not supposed to do this. Why? It was against the religious rules of Jesus' day. You couldn't touch a dead body. If you touched a dead body, you would become spiritually unclean. And so as Jesus walks up to the coffin and he reaches in and everyone's like, what is he going to do? Wait a minute. You can't do this, Jesus. You can't reach into that situation. You're going to be unclean. You have to go to Jerusalem and do all these these purification ceremonies to get clean again. But Jesus doesn't care because religion cares about rules. Jesus cares about people. And Jesus reaches into that coffin. He literally reaches into death. And he says, arise, and the man wakes up. He is alive. Dr. Luke, our physician, our author, he says his clinical diagnosis, the dead man. Not someone in a coffin, not someone just sleeping. Dr. Luke carefully investigated this and says, the dead man gets up and begins to speak. Can you imagine what happened next? Oh man, I picture it. The boy, the young man, he gets up and he starts to speak and Jesus walks walks him over to his mom. How long do you think that mom held her son as tears streamed down her face, tears of joy. I picture them like jumping up and down as she's holding her son and she's so thrilled. She's so excited her one and only son who was dead was given back to her by Jesus. Can't you just feel her joy? She got her son back. Jesus resurrects. Jesus reaches out to us who are dead in our sins and he resurrects us. Ephesians 2 verse 4 through 5 says it this way, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. So the Bible says that we are sinners and we may be physically alive, but we are spiritually dead. As dead as the son of the widow, we are dead. And you and I are dead in our sins, absolutely dead. And then Jesus reaches out to us and Jesus resurrects us and gives us new life and a new nature and new power. And the Holy Spirit... Whatever is dead in your life, Jesus can bring resurrection to your life, your marriage, your dreams, your broken relationship with your kids. He can bring anything dead back to life because he is the resurrection and the life. And this morning, if you're here today and you have not passed from death to life, Jesus offers you himself as your resurrection, as your life, that you can be made alive with Christ. And if you're here this morning and you are hopeless and you need something to be born again in your life, some dream, some relationship, some hope, Jesus can bring that back to life. I love this, in this story we see two mortal enemies facing off, death, who thinks he's won. And then Jesus, he says, not so fast. I am the resurrection and the life. And Jesus reaches into death and he pulls out this young man and he gives them back to his mom. Number three, we see that Jesus restores. This woman had lost all hope. She'd lost her husband. She had lost her son. She'd lost all hope for the future. She didn't know what was gonna come next. And Jesus restores her son to her. He restores hope to her life. Jesus wants to restore hope in your life, too. He wants to restore your joy. He wants to restore your passion. What is it in your life that has gone cold that Jesus wants to restore in your life? Jesus is the one who reaches out to us. He resurrects, he restores. Our question is, how do we respond? How do we respond to this Jesus? Verse 16, fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, a great prophet has arisen among us and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread throughout the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. Jesus does this amazing miracle, and people respond with worship. They were amazed, they were awed, they were shocked that Jesus had power even over death. Jesus raises, as far as we can tell, only three people in the Bible from death. And you may even be asking, like, is this really real? Did this really happen We can go back and even study um, reports from Emperor Hadrian who said this man, Jesus, lived. He really healed people. He even brought some people back to life. Jesus really raised this young man to life. And the people responded with worship to God and also getting the word out. You have to hear about this Jesus Who has the power to reach into our life? He has the power to resurrect. He has the power to restore and word spread. How do we respond? How do we respond to Jesus, who is the greater son? I think there's some amazing parallels between Jesus and the young man. Both were one and only sons. Both we were dearly loved, Jesus by His Heavenly Father. We saw that at Luke's baptism, at the baptism in Luke, where the Father says, This is my only Son in whom I'm well pleased. The mother obviously loved her son. Both died, but Jesus raises the young man to life. Jesus doesn't need anyone to raise him to life. He is the resurrection, He is the life, and He comes to life to give us all power over sin, over death. And we respond with worship. We respond with awe of who Jesus is, this Jesus who reaches out to us, who resurrects, who restores. I don't know where you are today. What situation you find yourself. Maybe your situation feels like a setback. You were heading towards something and then something happens and you feel like it's a setback. But maybe, maybe God wants to use your setback as a setup for doing something great in your life. We live in a fallen, broken world, and because of that we have death and uncertainty and sickness. And I don't believe God causes all the death and sickness that goes on in this world. But, but God can restore and redeem any situation. And so, this young man died, and this woman felt like it was the worst setback she'd ever had. But Jesus used it as a setup to show who He was, that He was the resurrection and the life, that he had the power to restore hope. And whatever setback you are in right now, God can use it as a setup for His glory to show what He can do in our lives. I know there's some of you who are tired of waiting and you are discouraged. God wants to tell you, hold on to hope. Hope is what allows us to not be defined by our past, by the future God has in store for us. Hope is what allows us to break free from addiction and disappointment and discouragement. Hope allows us to experience healing from the stuff done to us, as well as the mistakes that we have made. Hope says, keep going. It's not over yet. The story isn't done yet. Keep investing in your marriage. It's not over yet. Keep working on your finances. It's not over yet. Keep loving those kids of yours. It's not over yet. Keep showing up to work on time, working hard. It's not over yet. Hope gives you the faith to overcome your current circumstances. Hope gives you the faith to overcome your current circumstances. Hope allows us to dream about the future. Hope has a name, and that name is Jesus. And We put our hope and our trust in him. I don't know about you, but my heart was encouraged this morning as I heard testimonies in first service and then second service of the power of Jesus to change and transform. The power of hope in our lives. Hope is a big reason of why we started Mosaic Church a year and a half ago. Hope that lives can be changed, that marriages can be restored, that addicts can find freedom, that lonely people can find community, that we can really make a difference, that people can find their purpose and their passion and be unleashed to make a difference in this world. Hope allows us to dream. Hope allows us to be excited about life. See, we can look at tomorrow differently because of hope. Hope comes alive when we stay true to Jesus. Because hope has a name. That name is Jesus. I'm telling you, your marriage has hope when you have Jesus. Your financial situation has hope when you have Jesus. Trust the one and only son who died but didn't stay dead but he rose again to show us that he is the resurrection of life. Trust in Jesus who reaches out to you wherever you are. Who has the power to resurrect. Who has the power to restore. And how do we respond? We respond with worship. We respond by sharing this news of Jesus. I'm gonna invite the the choir to come on up. And uh, while we do that and we close out our service, I just wanna encourage you. If Jesus has come into your life and he has changed you and he has given you new life and done a work in your heart, to respond with worship. Worship is responding to the greatness and the glory of God. There is something about pressing in, going towards Jesus by singing, by lifting up our hands. There are times when we want to celebrate what God has done. And when you're at a football game and someone scores a touchdown everyone's hands go up, it's like, yes, Jesus, you're awesome. There are other times when like my little four-year-old who constantly puts our hands up, pick me up, pick me up, Daddy. There are times when we're broken and hurting and we need to put our hands up to our Heavenly Father and say, Jesus, pick me up. I want to encourage you to respond, to take that step and get out of your comfort zone a little bit as a community, as we learn to worship, as we learn to sing together in response, as we come towards Jesus. And then, As the news of Jesus spread, because of these people were amazed at what Jesus did, we want to be a community that spreads the news of Jesus. And this week, Easter week, is a great opportunity to spread the news of Jesus. It could be simply inviting someone to our Good Friday or Easter service. Hey, come with me to this. Studies show that about 7 out of 10 people will... um, accept an invitation to an Easter service by someone they already know. People are just more open to it. It's the Easter season. Maybe God's working on your heart. And what he wants you to do is just to talk to a, a neighbor, a coworker, someone you do life with, and just say, hey, tell me your story. And as you, then as you hear their story, you get to know them. You know, maybe as your neighbor, you, you talk about something more than just kind of your lawns or your kids or something. You get to know their story. And then you have the opportunity to share your story. You know what, here's what my life was like. And you know what, here's what Jesus did for me. Here's how Jesus reached out to me. Here's how Jesus resurrected me and gave me life. Here's how Jesus restored these things in my life. Because people can't argue with our stories. In response to who Jesus is, who reaches out to us, Let's respond with worship. Let's respond with sharing the good news of who he is, especially in this season of Easter as we look ahead to celebrate on Sunday. Would you stand with me? Uh, We're going to receive an offering and uh, a couple quick details about the offering. Um, We're going to receive just one offering, um, but we're going to receive an offering for Mosaic as well as Minnesota Adults and Teen Challenge. It's an amazing ministry, uh, a wonderful treatment program, um, but they need um, donations from churches, from individuals to continue doing what they are doing, and they're doing some amazing things. And so if you're giving to Mosaic this morning, you can just put your, you know, your gift, like normal, into the basket. If you'd like to give to Minnesota Adult Teen Challenge, you can do that uh, by one of the envelopes, and just put that in there, your cash, your check. You can give online, and just make it a note. This is for Teen Challenge. Um, And then um, we had someone, um, uh, a member of Mosaic, who uh, just, in between services said, hey, I just want to let people know that, you know, whatever the people of Mosaic give to Teen Challenge, uh, I want to match that and give that. So, uh, praise God. Um, So, I don't know, uh, like me, I was like, oh, now I want to give more. Praise God, that's the hope, right? And so, uh, wh- whatever as a church we give to, to uh, Minnesota Adult Teen Challenge, um, he's going to match it. And um, so, that's just a huge blessing. So, if that, again, encourages you to give a little more, hopefully that's the, that, that'll do that. Um, we talk a lot about our, kind of our core values. And one of our core values as a church is to be outrageously generous. That's just who we want to be as a community. Uh, we believe that God wants to have our heart and wants us to be generous in response to him. And so, as a church, we want to be generous. And uh, as your pastor, I want to encourage you to be generous whatever that looks like for you. Um, we're all in different places financially. And so however you can live a generous life, we want to help you do that. And this is just an opportunity to be generous, um, to, to give to God uh, and you know, to give to a great program that are doing amazing things. I'm going to pray and then we'll receive the offering. And um, you guys can do one song or two songs at the end. If you want us
0: to do it like
1: last time, we can, we can sing every phrase of people. Yes, let's do that. All right, offering song, and then one more to go out of here. Uh, Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you don't stay distant, you don't stay hidden from us, but you go out of your way to find us, to reach out to us in our pain, in our selfishness, in our brokenness, in our sin, that you offer new life, you resurrect us, And Jesus, you restore hope. You restore joy, peace, the passion to our lives. Thank you, thank you for that, Jesus.